Alex, here we are. Season four, Climbing Gold. Uh, I've got some questions for you. Um, 15 years from now, when little baby June is, you know, a teenager, and asks you, Dad, what was the pandemic like? What will be, um, you know, what would be the enduring memory you would share with her? I think I, I remember the the empty streets in Vegas, and the we drove down to the Strip once. We had takeout food, and we just drove the Strip. It was completely empty, and there were all these flashing signs. I think it was Easter time, maybe, and it was randomly raining, which made it feel even more apocalyptic in the desert. But uh, there were all these flashing signs saying, you know, wash your hands and you'll be safe. But there's nobody on the streets and it all <laughs> felt like the zombie apocalypse had come and gone. You know, we seriously expected a zombie to run out from any doorframe. It was, <laughs> it was pretty creepy. It's funny. I remember also being on the phone, like really early in it, being on the phone with you and you were like in the store. It was either toilet paper or eggs. But you're like standing in front of the eggs and it's like they're all gone and then someone recognized you or something like that, and, and you're like, hang on, this guy's giving me eggs or toilet paper. It was like one or the other. Do you, I don't uh, know if you remember I, that? I faintly, I faintly remember <laughs> that. Yes, I think it might have been toilet paper. Maybe somebody gave me a, <laughs> yeah. a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, one of those things. Yes. I just I just didn't totally get it all. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> like, why is everybody hoarding toilet paper? You know, you're like, what? Yeah, the whole pandemic thing. So weird. Yeah. It is so strange to think that so many people were having so many different experiences. Like, it's something that we all live through, but we all live through it very differently. Yeah, I mean, it was it's crazy because, you know, plenty of people are going through the worst experience of their lives and family members are dying and it's all horrible. And yet, you know, for, I don't know, for us, we're just going climbing every day. I mean, we were just so completely detached from from what was going on. We were still explicitly allowed to recreate outdoors. Access to crags was still open. So my normal day was basically the same. I just went climbing. Yeah. We just went to really obscure crags. I mean, and also, you know, I'm lucky enough that my income is totally separated from from any of the industries affected by the pandemic. You know, I mean, it's like basically everything is still still fine for, for a professional climber. It's like, what a weird scene. Yeah, you and I were decidedly non-essential at that period of time. And we, you know, in fairness to us, we were not alone. There was 50% of the American workforce was also not considered essential. Um, Which kind of leads me to my next question. I'm sure you've encountered this argument or criticism um, before. It goes something like this. Climbing doesn't have inherent value because it is an an inherently selfish act centered around one's own experience. I've always found this argument sort of strange about climbing um, because we don't tend to have this, this, that angst or that sort of criticism about so many other things. Like no one, no one says that about playing golf or being employed by a publicly traded tech giant. And yet, you know, I, are those not selfish? Like, right? A lot of things are selfish. And, and I'm curious, have you run into that that argument or has someone made that criticism of what you do with your life? You know? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I get that a fair amount just as a, you know, highly visible climber. It's like a common criticism is like, oh, you should be spending your time doing something that's more beneficial to society or like you should be spending your time on something that's more worthwhile. I'm kind of like, do you spend your whole life working in a soup kitchen or something? I mean, are you out, you know, helping the homeless or something? It's like, no, I mean, you're just living. It's like, I'm just living. I'm just living in a way that 
is outwardly very, very different than yours. And so it's slightly confusing to you. And so then you attack it, and, you know, you, you call it selfish or stupid or whatever you want to call it. That's fine. But it's like, I mean, we're all just getting by and doing our thing. You know, just because you don't understand the passion that, that drives the particular lifestyle doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. So Alex, who, who are we talking to today? Today, we're talking to Nick Berry, who is a very skilled rock climber. He's free climbed a bunch of different routes on El Cap. He's a very hard trad climber. He's basically an all-around very talented climber, very under the radar, semi-professional, though most people wouldn't necessarily know him, but very accomplished. To kick off season four of Climbing Gold, we have a story about the essentials, about how we find meaning in our lives, whether that's through climbing or what we do when we aren't climbing. Nick Berry shares his incredible story of working through the pandemic and the power of passion. I'm Alex Honnold. I'm Fitz Cahal. You're listening to Climbing Gold. Nick, do you know like basically what we're doing? Uh, yeah, I think we're just talking about how we're a bunch of selfish assholes for like uh, pursuing our sport, pretty much, right? No, no, we're talking about how you're a selfish asshole for pursuing your sport. <laughs> 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 but which should be should make for good listening, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that just being exposed to like the intensity and the elements I I really feel like it matured me in a very short time period it kind of like brought in all these like new perspectives all in this like really intense time period I think that changed my priorities seeing all these people's health decline or you know expire showed me like what really was a priority in life and what was not and what felt fake and what was real and where I wanted my life to move in the future. My fellow Americans, today the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at I was in uh, Fontainebleau, actually, when everything really started to happen. So we actually flew out like the last day we could have before they shut down a lot of the planes. I came and I flew into San Francisco and it was just complete, like, desolate. Moment ...that we direct a statewide order for people to stay at home. Let's bend the curve is 40 together. million residents are in lockdown to try to contain COVID-19. I had is- set up my entire life, right, to be conducive to climbing. I'd kind of organized my entire life around this freedom. And then I came back and I was just in my van because I was living in my van. The gyms were closed. Everything was closed. I realized that this, my van and my entire life that had been set up for freedom was actually turning into more like an imprisonment. Van life's pretty dope when you're like, training and working and you're not in your van you're just eating and sleeping in your van right that feels really productive and nice when you're allowed to like do those things 
But when everything shuts down around you and you have a stay at home order and you're just in your van, like it's like a jail cell, you know? And so like this, my van who had represented all this freedom in my life had completely changed on me, you know? I know it just got me thinking about like how I had organized my life. I actually, I got really like resentful towards climbing at one point because I kind of realized I had put my whole life into climbing and it was really like biting me in the ass now. How, how did you wind up becoming a nurse? When I was younger, I, I would go and like just, you know, being at the crag, like there are always older people out. And I, I would always ask them, like, how are you out here? What sort of job are you doing to like facilitate this climbing lifestyle? A lot of them were nurses and um, they had a really nice schedule. And so that kind of got me thinking into healthcare. Then my sister is a, a doctor I think that kind of helped too, but I also realized the commitment to being a doctor was far too great and I didn't really want to put like that amount of like effort into schooling and things like that. And so nursing kind of felt like this like nice balance of like being able to go and still pursue my passion while having like a really satisfying career of like giving back. Climbing's also like extremely like it's all about yourself and performance and having these experiences for you and uh and nursing gives me this ability to um, feel like I'm giving back to society and like helping other people where it's completely the opposite and all focused on others, which I really like that balance. Alex, Nick's in an interesting situation, right? Like he is a pro climber. He's making some money doing that, but not enough to completely rely on it or, or sort of like realize his vision for climbing, right? Uh, the other day I was reading about 1970s uh, basketball players in the NBA. And how, how did you just happen to be reading about that? I, I don't know, dude. I just Sometimes I'll just go down rabbit holes. You know, the, the NBA is like one of our big three sports, like basketball, football, yeah. baseball. And in the 1970s, though, this sort of average yeoman NBA player, not a star, um, a lot of those people had to have other jobs like in the off season, like they would not hmm. be making enough money in the 1970s, which is kind of wild because like if you look at it, the median salary in today's NBA is 3.5 million a year, which is you know you don't need a you don't need a second job in the off season. I say that's a, that's that adequate, job. yeah. <laughs> you know those aren't the stars; those are just sort of like the rank and file in the NBA. On a level, it seems like that's kind of where we are at as a sport in regards to professionalism. The, the stars have enough, but for the rest of the people, they got to figure out, like, some extra gig. There's almost no middle class of professional climbing. Like, yeah. either you're really making it or you're kind of struggling, but there aren't that many people who are just, like, making a good living as a professional climber and, like, comfortable. Have you found, too, that, like, that it's not always completely related to, like, the actual talent of climbing? <laughs> no. no, I mean, it's not at all related. A lot of the very best climbers just don't even play the game. They don't even jump through the hoops. They're just not, they're not sponsored at all. They, they have nothing to do with it all. You know, they're like a doctor or a nurse, you know, in Nick's case. You're kind of like, well, it's not a matter of who deserves it the most. It's a matter of who actually goes out and gets it. So do you remember your first COVID patient? Like, when did you start treating patients? I do. And they were, um, it was scary, you know, like their health would, they could check in, in at triage and, 
within an hour and a half, they could be intubated and coding. We didn't have as many cases, but the cases that were coming in were by far the, they were extremely uh, acute, like the most acute we had had um, probably throughout the entire pandemic. You know, why, why, why choose nursing at this point during the pandemic? Well, it just felt right, you know? Like, I, I had this skill of, like, you know, later on, especially when uh, cases started to go up, I, I didn't feel as responsible to be there in the beginning because I was, um, you know, it just wasn't that busy um, with all the stay-at-home orders. But especially once it started picking up, like, January, February, March, those were probably our heaviest months. I, I really, really felt obligated because I, you know, I had this thing to help and I was willing to and happy to like, it just felt right to put climbing on hold and to focus on nursing at that time. California hospitals, the COVID crisis has hit full force. Hospitals are facing a surge. A surge of patients infected with the coronavirus with some 7,000 in hospitals today. So at the at the peak numbers, how how crazy did it feel? I mean, did it feel hectic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, if you had a lot of COVID patients, you know, the workload is just so much heavier because, you know, you, you really have to get everything um, together in the room and really use a lot of forethought to make sure that you're going into the room with everything you need, you know, because... Because um, you can't just go in and out? Yeah, you can't just go in and out because you have to put PPE on, take it off. So you really have to get everything you could possibly need in the room, wait for the doctor to put in all the orders, um, make sure that the patient was, you know, doing a well okay in the meantime, and then go in there and do everything at one time, you know? That's that's not unlike uh, wall climbing or expedition living, where you're like, I need all my gear on, and then I can step out of the tent, and then I can <laughs> yeah. do the thing, but I need to make sure that everything is perfectly packed and all prepared. Yeah. It's like, and if I forget the one thing, then I'm totally screwed. <laughs> I just yeah. have to start over. Uh, I suppose you were well prepared by uh, by Big Wall Life. Yeah. It's like, you know, having to like tag down your tagline and like, you know, get like that extra like few cams or like hooks or whatever to like if you're aid climbing to get you like through that next section you know so that's that's a perfect analogy where you're like i really just should have brought the hooks with me i knew i needed the hooks but instead now i'm trying to tag them and it's windy and now they're stuck on something and the tag is stuck and you're like oh my gosh yeah it's like yeah. now we're epicking and i should have just brought the hooks you're like, Damn <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we'll be back with more after the break Climbing Gold is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Because when you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. Element contains the right electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And electrolytes contribute to nearly all of our bodily functions. Which is why I've been using Element every time I go out for big adventures in the canyons. I feel like overall I get less worked when I stay well hydrated. Right now, Element is offering our listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salt-loving friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash climbinggold. If you don't like it, Element will give you your money back, no questions asked, so it's risk-free. Try it today by going to D-R-I-N-K 
lmnt.com slash climbing gold. In a nation mourning the loss of more than 100,000 Americans. This morning, the grim reality, more than 100,000 American lives lost to the coronavirus. How did you guys deal with it? Um, I honestly don't think we did a very good job of, you know, dealing with it. And there wasn't a lot of support for us at the time, um, being nurses and being exposed to such like a high risk virus. I don't know. Like we, we talked a lot about it between one another. That was helpful. And, um, you know, things were pretty hard with management because, you know, we wanted, you know, more staff and, um, kind of just more protection in general. And then there was the whole like PPE scare that was happening that certainly made things a lot worse. And a lot of people were just terrified, you know. We just slowly kind of adapted as the virus did to be, you know, more, I think, like okay with the the outcomes and just accepting what we were going through. And we just kind of adapted and got used to it over time. Yeah, so did your relationship with your job change at that point? It did, I think, you know. I I think in a way it was really nice because with me prioritizing climbing so much um, throughout my life, you know, nursing was always kind of secondary. And it was the first time I really prioritized nursing. And I feel like I I was never, you know, I was was a good nurse, but I I wasn't ever exceptional um, just because I wasn't, prioritizing it. And I I really feel like I got to be a better nurse through the pandemic just by working so much, you know, when you're working like 50 to 70 hours a week, it's, um, (laughs) it's a lot easier to, you know, just be in that mode all the time. And you just get so much better at like Malcolm Gladwell's like 10,000 hours, you just expose yourself over hours and hours, and you become so much better, which was, that was really rewarding as well, just to feel my skills getting better. Yeah, how much of that satisfaction that you take from improving as a nurse is really just a substitute from the satisfaction you normally feel from trying to improve as a climber? But, you know, how how much of that is just a, a, a mental shift where you're like, oh, well, here's this new thing for me to excel at? Honestly, I feel like in a lot of ways, I was probably locked in that state for maybe a year and a half, honestly. I actually lost, like, one of my main sponsors because... I didn't post on Instagram for a year, even though they were making uh, masks and kind of like putting forth this narrative that was like they were, you know, really helping COVID and doing all this stuff. When it came to it, they obviously didn't care that or to check up on me how I was doing. And I was in this moment where I was totally helping other people and exposed to all these like really, really sick people. And the last thing I wanted to do was post about how great I was on Instagram, you know, like that just felt so detached from like what I was experiencing every day and what I was trying to do. Which, which company was that? Outdoor research. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well, fuck them. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, whatever. It's like, you know, it's like La Sportiva and Black Diamond are great, you know, and they're like, they're really supportive and nice and they they don't feel like fake and superficial like that at all. So, yeah. So, Alex, uh, I'm curious. 
Do you ever get certain climbing movements stuck in your head? Or, like, have you ever gone back to, to a moment of climbing that was just so good to find some happiness or inspiration? I mean, not really, actually. I rarely rethink old climbs, but, I mean, I often fantasize about, you know, the next project or, like, something that I'm working on or something that I'm interested in or... Like, do you ever find yourself, like, zoning out on a Zoom call thinking about the project you're working on, you know, right now or whatever? Yeah, I mean, doesn't doesn't everybody do that? Like, every climber. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you you go, you know, blank gaze, you're just dead eyes staring forward. pay attention on zoom calls Alex. yeah exactly <laughs> and you're just like do i get that two-finger pocket with my first two or my middle two i'm like i'm not sure i think or maybe i should try my back two. i wonder if my pinky would fit better i should try that move again yeah it's like spend the whole call just like fantasizing about like how you hold some particular grip <laughs> that's what helped keep nick going throughout the pandemic um this ability to return mentally to this project you've been working on, the dihedral wall on El Cap. Uh, it's a super badass wall. It was first free climbed by Tommy Caldwell. And Nick would have these epic back-to-back shifts at the hospital. He'd stumble out to the parking lot, pass out in his van, and like wake up and and basically try to go get a workout in at a, a friend's like backyard home wall. Um, but he was completely depleted. And sometimes he'd feel like really unmotivated and he would kind of go into his mind and you think about the dihedral wall and this very specific set of moves. Can you give us a description of the dihedral wall? Uh, Yeah, so it's this gorgeous like left-facing corner system that you see as you're coming through tunnel view. You look at it and it's just this striking line up the left side of El Cap. It's got some like lower end 512 climbing and then it slowly ramps up to like a 12 plus pitch and then there's this pretty hard 14A pitch. Yeah, it's just really powerful. Put up by Tommy back in the day. I think it's it's it just feels so hard for 14A, but it's, it's an amazing, beautiful line. It climbs this really gorgeous pitch called the Black Arch that has this amazing stemming on it and uh, incredible positioning. And then it has a really hard uh, 13D slab on it, um, followed by maybe like six or seven more 13 to 13 plus pitches on it. You've said that at your lowest points, when you felt the most exhausted during the pandemic, you would think about the black arch and and the the stemming on that pitch, and the moves would and you know thinking about the moves would give you energy. Yeah, I think. I think it just comes from that kind of like inspiring component of climbing where like I would just use, you know, at my lowest points, like use these, the most inspiring things in nature and that inspired me so much um, to motivate me, you know, either in my climbing session or in work or whatever it was to, you know, make sure that I did have some light at the end of the tunnel to like look forward to and to keep me going. So I I felt like I actually was working towards something or things would improve where I could one day return to like climbing and having these like amazing adventures and experiences on these like beautiful formations that I loved so much. Yeah, it's interesting that in your most difficult times, you'd fantasize about some of the hardest sections of climbing on El Cap. 
and, and that would energize you in the same way that most people, when they're really tired, they fantasize about going on vacation to Hawaii or something like that. <laughs> and, and actually, and so I, and I, as I was just thinking that, I was like, oh, it's interesting that people say that climbing is selfish, but nobody says that vacation is selfish. You know, nobody's ever like, well, you shouldn't go to Hawaii because that's selfish. <laughs> you know, it's like when you go on like the family vacation, you know, it's sort of an interesting when you think of them both as as opportunities for you to to feel energized in life and to feel passionate about you know to feel excitement about something like it's weird that that other passions aren't aren't seen the same way yeah no it is true it's like it it is funny in like at work you know when we're just like talking and hanging out at the nurses station everyone is they're they're like googling island vacations and they're like Hawaii or Mexico and I'm sitting there like looking at Pakistan or India or like whatever, like remote big wall, I'm like super psyched on, you know? And it is, it's totally that way. Your coworker sees you uh, Googling Kyrgyzstan. They're like, oh, is that a vacation destination? Like, that sounds great. How many, how many goats are you guys taking into base camp? That sounds like a really yeah, cool vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got dysentery. I vomited on the approach. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's a good vacation. That, yeah, that's the stuff I, I just love, you know? It's like, it's amazing. <laughs> More after a word from our sponsors. I have another quote from you, which I feel weird giving you quotes of, of yourself. <laughs> but but you wrote uh, that you couldn't help but wonder if nursing through the pandemic has taken some of your grit away. Yeah, I, when I was younger, I would give up anything, you know, for whatever accomplishing whatever goal I wanted. It was like this extreme drive that I would have. I would be like really inspired by something and I would do whatever I needed to do at all costs. That energy is like, it's amazing to feel and it's amazing to go and put towards something that you're so inspired by. But it also has a lot of negative effects, I think, you know, because you're neglecting all these other parts of your life. It's probably the reason I like things got really bad with my relationship and I, you know, that I'm in now and I really regret that. Now it's really wonderful. Like my girlfriend Kay is incredible and um, luckily she forgave me for being, being that way, you know, and being like so obsessed that I'd push everything else out. You know, there truly are like negative side effects to these things. And the, being a nurse through the pandemic really highlighted that those negative effects and made me more aware of them. But I think it also just took a lot of that grit and drive. I was trying to climb this like hard big wall route in Yosemite and I, I felt like I really needed to that extra bit and it just didn't feel like that like that grit was there to really like take me through this there's this huge storm system that kind of came in and I think it was the biggest storm since 1986 and the route did dry like after but it took like six weeks and I was just like I don't care you know I don't want to go back now you know I already put all this effort in and it was almost ready to go, you know, taking like two and a half months off and restarting the whole process. I just didn't have that. And I felt like in my younger years, like I was like, I totally would have had that to give, you know, but it just felt like grinding away in the hospital for so long had really like deteriorated that grit. Obviously over the last few years, a lot has changed for you. 
Um, you know, some of those things were out of your control. Some of those things were in your control. You've bought a house. That's, that's kind of a big change. Um, you've obviously found meaning in nursing versus it just being a, a means to keep climbing more. Are, are you still trying to be a quote-unquote um, professional climber? Well, kind of COVID changed a lot of that for me where I tried not to like put everything into climbing quite as much. I do get like some things from climbing, but you know, I'm trying to like be more of a nurse and keep that independent because I think it allows me to pursue climbing in more of the way that I want to pursue it without like any other incentives or motivations. Like it's just purely intrinsic when it's that way to me, you know? Hmm. I mean, and do you feel like as a sponsored climber, it's not purely intrinsic? Uh, I feel like it's harder, especially nowadays. You know, I think it's worse probably than it's ever been, honestly. I think, you know, especially some companies are, you know, pushing you to go on trips with certain people that you may or may not even know, or like they have this vision or marketing campaign and they need athletes to go and do that. It's not your choice necessarily a lot of times to go and climb whatever formation it is. And I think that's a true, like, part of climbing to me that's really valuable and like when I see something that's like natural and beautiful like it totally calls to me and that's where most of my motivation comes from you know it's like a specific thing that I've seen you know it speaks to me and I'm really motivated to climb that because it's gorgeous and I just want to have this amazing experience on that formation and if like a company is trying to fit like some marketing campaign in there then like you know that whole element is you know ripped out of like that experience i always knew that climbing was important um you know if you don't have a passion in life i just don't know what would be driving you um especially me maybe it's just the way i've lived my life i've always found having these things on top of work and things like this um, have just driven me to be able to put more energy and have more motivation, have something to live for outside of my daily routine. Yeah, like the act of climbing is totally like pointless. I knew I needed it, but I think COVID just made that kind of magnified that just because I saw all these people's either dying or their health like declining so much that I didn't know how the rest of their life would be. After I climbed and after I was doing these things that I did love, I felt much better about caring for my patients and I felt regenerated and had this extra energy to come back to give to them. The act of just climbing is completely pointless, but you know, it, its effects are really positive on our lives, whether we're pursuing them professionally or if it's just essentially like something to alleviate stress and blow off steam. Like what we get from climbing really has an effect on all these other aspects of our lives. I also think, you know, as you get older and things like this, your perspective starts to like open up a bit and we, uh, you know, we have the ability to like think of like climbing as like any tool in life and that can be like utilized to like help us give back more in other ways. And that tool is, it's amazing to 
to be able to have that and do what you love, but also have it positively impact other things in your life. Thanks, Nick, for sharing your story. Climbing Gold is a production of Duct Tape and Beer. Alex Honnold is our host. Today's episode was written and edited by Marco Seiler Gonzalez and me, Fitzko Hall. Additional editing mixing by Evan Phillips. Production help from Lauren Delaney Miller. Music today by Brendan O'Connell, Cordelia Zars, and me, and Wildness. Tracks are courtesy of the Track Club or The Artists. Our executive producers are Jonathan Retzik and Ben Endy for RXR Sports, and Lisey Hendricks and Becca Call for Duct Tape and Beer. Thanks for listening.